podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, welcome to the Twofold Podcast. Today is Friday, the 17th September. You've made it through another week. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access anything you're geoblocked from while also keeping your data safe. That's the most important thing, keeping that data safe from miscreants, ne'er-do-wells and rogues. Check out LibertyShield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do remember to check out the Anfield Index and EPL Index shops on Etsy. Just download that Etsy app to your phone. Search Anfield Index or EPL Index and there's lots of merch there. Right, folks, very quickly we'll run through... The Europa League action from last night before we get into today's games with Mr. Guy, or this weekend's games, I should say, with Mr. Guy Drinkle. Uh, Legia Warsaw beat Spartak Moscow 1-0. Leverkusen beat Ferenc Varos 2-1. Florian Wirtz, the star boy, with a goal there. Galatasaray 1, Lazio 0. Thomas Strakosha with one of the funniest own goals you'll ever see. Go and find that one. Mitteljand 1, Ludogorets 1. Locomotive Moscow won, Marseille won. Tino Angerin of note, the Chelsea Loney scoring for Locomotive Moscow in the 89th minute to rescue a draw. Rapid Vienna nil, Genk won. Dinamo Zagreb nil, West Ham two. Mikel Antonio opened the scoring before a brilliant individual goal by Declan Rice made it two. West Ham, great value for their win. Really impressive performance away in Zagreb and a nice way for them to get their Europa League campaign rolling. Uh, Real Betis 4, Celtic 3. Celtic went 2-0 up, then went 4-2 behind. Anthony Ralston with a late consolation to make it 4-3. A very, very open game. Shots galore, chances galore. Celtic had most of the ball. But defensively, they just look a bit of a train wreck. They do look really fun going forward, though, and that's nice after the Neil Lennon era. Um, Red Star, Belgrade 2, Braga 1, Monaco 1, Sturm Graz 0, Olympiacos 2, Antwerp 1, Samata, formerly, I believe, of Aston Villa, with the goal for, for Royal Antwerp. Uh, Rangers nil, Leon two, Akemi and the Tavanier own goal, giving Rangers the defeat there. Uh, PSV Eindhoven two, Real Sociedad, Real Sociedad two. This, if you haven't seen this, go and find the highlights of this game. This was a really, really entertaining game. There was a manic ten-minute spell 
where Mario Gotze put PSV 1 up. Adnan Yanazai, formerly of Manchester United, made it 1-1. And Alexander Isaac put Sociedad up 2-1. In the second half, Cody Gakpo would make it 2-2. But that's the goal you want to see. The build-up play from Mario Gotze is just fantastic. So do find highlights of that one if you can. Well worth your while. Bromby nil, Sparta Prague nil, dull dour. It didn't sound like a good game. The short highlights I saw did not look good at all. Uh, a goal kick was included in the highlights that I saw, which will tell you what it was. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt won, uh, Fenerbahce won, Mesut Ostel with the goal for Fenerbahce. And then Leicester 2, Napoli 2. Leicester went 2-0 up, Aosi Perez and Harvey Barnes. Harvey Barnes is excellent on the night. Victor Osimian with two goals in 69th and 87th minute to equalise, and Wilfred Ndidi found himself sent off in the 93rd minute. Leicester, quite lucky, to be totally honest, to get a draw out of this game. They went two up against the run of play, and their defence just looked creaky and crumbly like it has most of the season. Yannick Vestergaard, just, the guy can't defend. Just, he can't defend at all. Um, good to see... Pat Sandaka and Bubakari Samari getting their first starts for Leicester. Um, and there'll be a lot more to come from both of them, especially Daka, who found himself playing in a weird right-sided forward role that didn't really suit him. Uh, in the Europa Conference League, I'm not going to go through all of these because I don't think you really care, but Feyenoord drew 0-0 with Maccabee Haifia. Uh, Wren and Tottenham drew 2-2, so that one is of is of note. Loic Bade own goal put Tottenham 1-up. Uh, Flavian Tate and Gaetan Laborde put Ren 2-1-up. And then Pierre-Emile Heusberg pulled back the equaliser. Exciting game. Um, Endembele, by all accounts, played very, very well for the first 45 minutes and then just looked tired after that, but he hadn't played yet this season. So that's an interesting one to see how he recovers and finds his way into the team. The only other game I'm going to bother with from this is Roma 5, CSKA Sofia 1, Pellegrini with 2, El Shawari with 1, Mancini with 1, and Tammy Abraham with the 5th. That was all after Sofia had gone 1-0 up. Uh, Mourinho's men continue to march on. They're playing good football, playing exciting football. The question will be, how long before Jose reverts to parking the bus? That is the big question with with Mourinho. How long before he reverts to it? What, how many defeats would it need? As as things stand, everything's going swimmingly. So the football is good. The football is adventurous. But if they lose a couple, will he revert back to parking the bus? If so, his Porto experience might go the same way as his... Manchester United experience and his Tottenham experience. Uh, that's enough of the European stuff. More of it in two weeks' time. But we do have Premier League games to get through this weekend. And I'll bring in Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I am outstanding, Guy. Good man. Outstanding. Let us get started into these games. We have 10 of them starting tonight and running through to Sunday, where we have three games on Sunday as opposed to last weekend, where we bizarrely just had the one. 
Yeah, that was very weird. Oh, oh I got to watch the boring F1 instead. Um, so Friday night kickoff, we have Newcastle against Leeds. I mean, is the two more... Well, I almost, I almost said depressing, but Newcastle's depressing, but Leeds have been ooh, most disappointing. Yeah, I would say that's fair. I would say Leeds have been really disappointing so far this season. Um, they're still entertaining to watch, just the results have been not what they would have wanted. Two draws and two defeats from their four games. And in truth, they were lucky to get the two draws. I mean, Burnley probably should have beaten them. Bamford got the late goal. Everton could have beaten them at Ellen Road. It took a Rafinha worldy. They got walloped by United. They got walloped by Liverpool. This is a this is a tough one for them though. Um, up at Newcastle under the lights on a Friday, it's going to be a strange atmosphere. But Newcastle have been dreadful. Um, they gave United a good game for about sixty sixty five maybe, uh, but eventually got walloped. West Ham tore them apart. Villa beat them quite comfortably. They did get a two two draw with Southampton, and we're, we're unfortunate not to win that that late Ward Prowse penalty. I think on ninety six ninety seven minutes. Um, robbed them of their victory but they need a win it's a funny game because like you look at Bielsa and you look at Bruce and they couldn't be more different as human beings and even their mm. managerial careers where Bruce I think Newcastle's is like 11th club and they've all been in England Bielsa's had 10 club jobs and 2 international jobs and they've been all over the place so Bielsa's just that braver, more globe-trotting kind of individual. And you look at the football, and Bielsa's a very brave manager. Newcastle, it's you know, it's all the chips into the middle of the table. Or sorry, leads all the chips into the middle of the table all the time. No fear of holding back, no thought of playing it safe. Whereas Bruce does nothing other than play it safe. So it doesn't matter to Steve Bruce who he's playing. He's going to let them have the ball. He's going to try and set his team up not to lose. And Bielsa, likewise, doesn't care who they're playing. He's going to set his team up to win. It's also funny when you look at how the fan bases view them. Like, there's no more unpopular manager right now than Steve Bruce. The Newcastle fans absolutely have had enough. There's very, very small amounts who still back him. I think they'll all back him because he's the manager, but there's very, very small amounts that actually want him in the job. Whereas with Bielsa, you'd be hard-pressed to name a guy who's been a more popular manager ever among his own fan base. Even even Klopp now and, say, Ferguson at the peak of his powers. I don't know that they were more popular with the Liverpool and United fan bases than Bielsa is currently with the Leeds fan base. Like, he could literally walk around Leeds walk up to any random house and just say, I want to live in this house, get out. And they probably would. They'd do it for him. Like, he's a god in the city now. But this game comes at a time where they both need a victory. Now, Leeds, no Pascal Struick, he's suspended. Four Shaw's a doubt. And Robin Cock and Diego Loriente are both ruled out. So that's, that's a big issue. Both of their best centre-backs are ruled out, which probably means Liam Cooper and Struick is out. So three of their centre-backs. Probably means Liam Cooper and maybe Luke Ayling at centre-back for this one, which isn't yeah. ideal. Uh, Newcastle, no Dubravka, no Shelby, no Wilson, no Dummett. So while Leeds are missing the centre-backs, Newcastle are missing the only striker they have. Um, 
I think Leeds will have too much for Newcastle because the way Newcastle are set up, I just think Bielsa's team will be able to cut them apart. Now, Leeds could have some issues with Newcastle on the counter-attack. If you saw the United game, Newcastle did counter quite well, um, which was impressive to see. And they, that's obviously how they got their goal as well, was on the counter-attack. So I think Leeds just have to be careful not to overcommit. Now, you look at last season, uh, Leeds beat Newcastle 5-2 at Ellen Road. And in the other game between them, they beat them 2-1 at St. James's. So they have had the measure of Steve Bruce's team. And I'm going to go for a repeat of last season's scoreline, a 2-1 win to Leeds. Yeah, I'd, I'd think something similar. I think there's just no goals in the Newcastle team without Wilson, is there? Joe Ellington and Dwight Gale. It's not the same. You're too over-reliant on uh, St. Maxman skinning three or four people. That's the thing. He's got to beat... It's not just the thing. If it was just a situation where he could beat one and get his shot away, great. But because there's nobody else there, the Newcastle defence, or the Leeds defence, doesn't have to worry about anybody else. So they will just line up, and he'd have to beat two and three and four to get even any kind of space. So it'll be interesting to see if Bruce... Plays him as a false nine again, the way he did last weekend, which was a mess. Or if he starts Dwight Gale and at least has a striker on the pitch. But um, I don't think there's long left for Steve Bruce. When you're already talking about how your family are pleading with you to to quit a job, you know you're in your last days. That's not a good sign. Not a good sign. He's already talking about survival as well, which isn't... Grand, um, but anyway. yeah, we're four games in, like, yeah. and that's that's the chat out of him. Yeah. Anywho, uh, on the Saturday, uh, get a, a, a new look at some uh, new lookish teams. Wolves, obviously, new manager um, who've been impressive by all all the stats people, but seemingly are Brighton uh, and Brentford, who've started their Premier League campaign as probably as well as you could expect for them, really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's gone very well for Brentford so far. Uh, they sit 10th, one win, two draws, and a defeat. And, I mean, the defeat, they were very unfortunate against Brighton. Brighton were probably the better team and probably deserved the win. But it was a 90th-minute goal. You know, like, it was really, really late. They could well have gone unbeaten through the first four. They obviously drew with Villa, drew with Pal- uh, Crystal Palace, and beat Arsenal. Now, they don't have too many injury problems, just Sorensen and De Silva, who've missed all the games so far. So they'll be able to play what's currently their first-choice eleven, which is really good. Uh, Wolves, Johnny Otto would probably be the starting left-back over Marcal. Pedro Neto would absolutely be a starter. Hugo Bueno wouldn't be in the team, but they're missing two starters, undoubtedly. And obviously, it's been a, a little bit of a difficult start for them. Uh, they did get their first win last weekend against Watford, which was really good. They gave United a hell of a game and really should have beaten them. They deserved to beat them and they got robbed really because they should have had a penalty and Pogba should have been either at least booked if not sent off for the tackle on Neves in the build-up to the Greenwood goal. Uh, They were unfortunate not to get a result against Tottenham and against Leicester. So they have been able to really put on a good show so far. They're a lot of fun going forward. Laja has gotten them playing a really inventive style and they're getting lots of shots away. 
And I think they're going to win this game. I think at home, in front of the fans, early kickoff as well, which I always think makes it more difficult for the travelling team. So I'm going to go with a 2-0 Wolves win. Yeah, I think with most games now, you'd probably say Wolves are the favourite, but it's just them getting them in their own way, really. Well, so, that's the thing. Yeah. Like They're going to create a ton of chances. They're going to have well over 10 shots in this game. It's just a matter of being able to convert them into goals. Like That's the be-all and end-all of what their season has been so far. You look at, say, that Leicester game as an example. Wolves had 17 shots, but only got three on target and didn't score. Then they played Tottenham. They had 25 shots, but only six on target and didn't score. Then they played United, 15 shots, six on target. That's a better conversion of you know shots mm-hmm. to shots on target, but they still didn't score. Last time out against Watford, 14 shots, five on target, two goals. So, you know, they just, they need to get a higher percentage of the chances on target to increase the chances of scoring, obviously. And I, I, I do think we'll see more and more. I also think we saw Trinkiao look really impressive against Watford. And I think the more he plays, the more confident he'll get, the more he'll find his level. And I think he is going to be a big player for them this year. Adama has also started the season in incredible form. Like his creative numbers are outstanding. Mm. So um and he's and he's actually playing really well. It's just his finishing is letting him down. They're not empty numbers the way a certain hundred million pound player has a whole bunch of empty numbers. I saw people fawning over it last night. We'll get to it when we get to City, but Adama's actually playing well, which is important for this Wolves team, especially with Neto out. I'll go two nil Wolves. Yeah. Uh next up then, um, Bit of a litmus test, you'd say, for Arsenal because, let's be honest, they had the perfect opponent in Norwich in terms of getting their season started. But I know Burnley are down there in in the table at the minute. But you look at the Burnley team; it it's probably the kryptonite to to how the Arsenal defence, especially yourself, isn't it? I'm very excited to see Chris Wood against Ben White. Very, very excited because obviously Arsenal have. They started the season really badly, like really, really badly. They got their their win over Norwich, and that was good for them. And you know, it gives them a bit of confidence. But it wasn't like it was a, a super impressive victory. Yeah, they had a mm. ton of shots, but they also allowed it a lot of shots. Norwich still had ten shots in the game. They didn't. There was no moment where Backman made a world class save. He made a couple of decent ones, but all fairly straightforward shots. Tim Crew. Yeah, based... Oh, Tim Krul, sorry, <laughs> Tim Krul. Um, I was thinking of Watford. They, there was nothing... There was nothing that surprised you in Tim Krul's performance. Do you know, it was all it was all very rudimentary for him. Arsenal had a lot of shots kind of late on as well. But it was good to see them go with that, that first-choice back four, or what we assume will be the first-choice back four. Mm-hmm. Tommy Asu... White, Gabriel, and Tierney. And I think, you know, the more they get that group together and see how it develops, I still think Saliba, they've made a massive mistake over, but that's the defence they're now committing to. Thomas Partey came off the bench in that game, so I expect him to start this one. 
maybe alongside Lakonga. Um, I don't know what he'll do in attack. He might roll with the same thing again. Pepe, Odegaard, Saka and Aubameyang. Injury-wise, I mean, Xhaka is still suspended. Elneny and Holding are out. So Arsenal are actually helped by the Xhaka suspension because Arteta is now forced to play, you know, actual footballers in midfield. Burnley, Collins is a doubt, Roberts is out, Stevens is out, and Long is out. Roberts probably would start. That's about the only one. Their start's been really disappointing for me. They've let themselves down a couple of times where they've been in good positions to get results, and that's why they find themselves on one point from four games. Like, you look at the Leeds game, of the Leeds game, Leeds-Burnley, they were lucky to get that result with the Bamford late goal, yeah? They mm-hmm. went one up against Everton and managed to throw it away. So there's already just those two games alone. There's five points coughed up straight away. Where they should have had six because they went one up and with Burnley, you expect them to hold on to a lead and they didn't. They never had a chance against Liverpool. But again, with Brighton, they go one up and then they just cough it up and end up losing 2-1. They're really struggling to hold out defensively this year, which is so unlike them. Normally with Burnley, you'd look at those three games. And like Brighton are a team that, as we've seen, have struggled to score goals for a couple of years. Everton are a team that have struggled to score goals for a couple of years. You shouldn't be getting as easily turned around in those games. Brighton had about 10 minutes where they could have scored four goals. Just carved Burnley open again and again and again and again. Everton had the same thing. And they they gave up the goals in really short spurts. Like, against Brighton, it was like 73 and 78. So two goals in five minutes. Against Everton, it's three goals in six minutes. Normally with Burnley, they concede a goal and then they get even tighter and even more defensive-minded and more solid. Now they concede a goal and they're crumbling. That's That's got to be really concerning for Dyche. Um, Arsenal at home will be a tough game for them. They're going to have to be physical. They're going to have to go the aerial route, put all the pressure on Ben White, just get Chris Wood to go and stand on him and see what happens and thump that ball into him from every single angle on the pitch. Get runners in from midfield. I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to go 1-1. I think Arsenal are the better team. They've got the better players. But I just don't fancy this as a game for Arsenal to win, given the contrast and styles. Plus, Daishi with his new contract in hand, I'm sure will be um, will be well up for this one. So I'll go 1-1. Yeah, it should be a good test. I think if Arsenal get through that, you could see... Promising signs, but yeah, Chris Wood, even Gabriel as well. I think he's not exactly Van Dyke, <laughs> so no, he no, exactly. But yeah, let's see. Uh, next up, then Liverpool against the very impressive Crystal Palace from last weekend. I mean, obviously, Liverpool, we know, we know what Liverpool will be, it's just how they rotate, and we'll talk about them in a sec. But Crystal Palace, I mean. If if this was still Roy Hodgson, I'd expect he'd still roll with Ben Teke and all his all the experienced lads. But when we saw Palace bring on the Edwards and the Elises and, and and stuff last weekend, do you think that's a 
a sign that he might start them in this game, or do you think he might save them for a team that isn't Liverpool? I think he might start Edward. I don't think he'll start Elise in this one. Um, like you said, Benteke has been starting, but Benteke can only really do one thing at the, this point, and that's go and stand somewhere and you know bring in the high ball. Hmm. And that's not really... An not option. really what you want to do against Van Dijk. And, it's not really and an option against Nate. Liverpool, is it? <laughs> no, no, it's a dreadful option against Liverpool. So what you want is you want that movement of an Edouard. So I think we'll probably see them go Edouard with AU and Zaha either side in a 4-3-3, which will become a 4-5-1 out of position, out of possession rather. Um, no Schlupp, no Ezzy and no Ferguson for Crystal Palace. No Firmino, no Nico Williams. It's not really a loss because uh, he wouldn't be in the team anyway because obviously Trent is the starting right back. And no Harvey Elliott for Liverpool. Divock Origi is a doubt. Uh, Jurgen Klopp, waxing lyrical about him today. Uh, absolutely exceptional in the Champions League game, allegedly. Uh, I think standards might be slipping somewhere. Um Liverpool will win this game. I think that's that's the best place to start. Liverpool will win this game because they're just a much better team than Crystal Palace. But Klopp has some interesting choices to make um, with regards to who plays at centre-back, who plays at left-back, what midfield he goes with and what he goes with up front because he can't really just run Mane, Jota and Salah into the ground. Now, Mane's came off the bench in midweek, so he will start. I expect Salah will start, but I'm not sure on Jota because he just doesn't seem to have the same physical capacity as the other two. Um, so maybe Origi starts again, Lord help us. Maybe Minamino gets a start. Maybe it's Oxlade-Chamberlain on the right and Salah goes central. Um, we'll have to wait and see, but Liverpool should win this one fairly comfortably. I'm going to go 3-0 to the Reds. Because I think it's still very early for Palace. They got a great result last weekend, but I think they come crashing back down to earth this weekend. Yeah, I think it is sonless Tottenham and, and that midfield they played. Like, mm. I, I don't think Liverpool could play a midfield like that, but I don't think Klopp's played a midfield like that in three years now. Even um, back, Even back then, it was... You'd be going back to the Brexit special of Milner, yeah. Henderson, and Wijnaldum. Even then, I'm all of and them. And Wijnaldum was better than, like, you you can make approximates in that midfield. Like, you could look at say, Hoysberg and Henderson are similar enough players. Um, Milner, I suppose Milner and Be- Ollie. They're better than Harry Winks. <laughs> And Ginny Wijnaldum and Harry Winks, like mm. he, he can make approximates. Wijnaldum is a, a much better player than any of the uh, than, than Winks. Heusberg is, you know, is is as good as Henderson easily. Uh, might even be a better player because he's better defensively. And then Winks and Winks and Milner's about Milner back then, obviously not Milner yeah. now. That's oh sorry, skipping skipping Milner, skipping. I should say. Uh, that's about about a wash. So yeah, I mean. Liverpool could have gone with something like that. They won't. They'll have Thiago or Naby or both in midfield, and that's just more progressive passing than we saw from Spurs at all last weekend. Mm. Um, so I do think Liverpool will Liverpool will dominate the midfield in this game, whereas Spurs didn't. And remember as well, 
Liverpool are a team that dominate possession. Nuno is a manager mm-hmm. who doesn't want his team having the ball because he wants to counter-attack, which is foolish when you don't have young men's son in your team. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you play three defensive midfielders, you're asking for trouble. Uh, no, this, this, this will be a Liverpool win. Yeah, you'd think so. You'd think so. I think it'll just see how well Palace improve because they got battered by Chelsea on the first day, didn't they? So hopefully you see improvement for their sake. Um, next up, Man City against Southampton. Uh, I know you wanted to bring up Man City, but if we start with Southampton quickly, uh, the most interesting thing is we saw Southampton change how they defended la- last weekend, was it, against West Ham? Um, we seem to see Salasu and, and Stevens defend a bit deeper, which has been a, a criticism because obviously Southampton have been tonked a few times. Um, we see the young fullbacks in Livermento and Parado, if you pronounce his name. Is that, do you think that's going to be a nice settled defence? I know you're not a fan of Stevens, but a partnership's probably the most important thing with Salasu at the minute. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, Interesting to see him switch to a four-one-four-one from the, the normal box midfield. Uh, might speak to the lack of real options in uh, in attack. So you know, just Armstrong up front. But I do think it worked for them. Like I would have preferred to see El Yanasi play wide with um, with Stuart Armstrong in the middle with Ward Prowse, and then Jenepa wide on mm. this side. I think that's a better setup. But, it, you know, it did work for them. They had some really good chances. We saw Broya come off the bench. Yeah, he good. He hit the post and had one cleared off the line. Um, it's still tough, though, to look at a defence and know that there's a better right-back on the bench and a better centre-back on the bench. Livermento's very talented, but he's and he's very young, but... Walker Peters is the better player right now. But there was rumours that the, I might have just been Twitter talk, but the, I think I saw maybe they'll try Livermento on the right wing and play Walker Peters right that back. That could work very, very interestingly and but, could make them a bit more solid as well. So if they do that, they can still use El Yanassi in the middle with Ward Prowse, um, Jenepo off the left, Livermento down the right wing. Walker Peters behind them. Yeah, that that would that would potentially work. I mean, at this point, Nathan Redmond just isn't really a Premier League player, and he cost them badly last weekend with with some really bad decision making. Um, this is a tough game for them, though. Like, anytime you're playing City, it's going to be tough, but playing them away, it, it's going to be difficult, and you can't really expect too much from the Saints. I think the order of business here will just be don't get walloped. If you can lose two or three nil, that's fine. Just don't get tonked five or six because the season hasn't started all that well for you. You know, when you look at the table, they've got three points, three draws. They're yet to win a game. But it wouldn't take much for them to slide right back in to the bottom three. A couple of results for other teams and, and Saints will drop down. Or a walloping for themselves, and they will drop down on goal difference. For City, actually, injury-wise, we have um, Armstrong still out, Wall caught out, Smallbone out, but Shane Long is back in the squad. Um, for City, uh, no Benjamin Mendy for obvious reasons. Zach Stefan uh, still waiting to, to come back after his COVID. 
John Stones is ruled out. America Laporte is ruled out, which is a, which is a big blow. And Liam DeLapp is ruled out. Now, that means Nathan Aki is going to play. And for those that are unaware, Nathan Aki's father passed away on Wednesday. I, I believe during the game or just before the game. Um, Aki was aware, obviously, that he was sick, but unaware that he passed away. It was just as he scored, I think, Dave. Was it just as he I scored? That's, that's the, the story, I think. Just incredible. Hopefully, hopefully, he at least, you know, passed quietly and, and without pain. Um, but it's a big ask for Nathan Aki to play a couple of days after his dad has passed away. Um, maybe we see Fernandinho at centre-back next to Diaz or, or Rodri maybe at centre-back and Aki has the, has the weekend off with, with with family issues to take care of. But um, I think that's going to be a tough one for Pep to solve. The midfield has looked really good with, with Bernardo Silva in there. So I think he probably does stick with Bernardo on the left. A holding midfielder, either Rodri or Fernandinho, and then De Bruyne. I uh, maybe Gundogan just stays out of the team one more game. You'd expect City to win this one comfortably, but I'll tell you, I'm telling you now, they're going to need more from Jack Grealish. Uh, he scored during the week. He scored a very good goal um, during the week against Leipzig, but he has not played particularly well in the league. He just hasn't played particularly well in the league. He was not good against Leicester. He was awful against Spurs. He was okay against Norwich, but just okay. And he had a good game against Arsenal. And then I see people spouting out statistics. Oh, he leads the league in progressive passes and progressive passes received. And watch a game. Just watch a game. I saw people saying, oh, he's a top five or, or, or at worst a top ten player in the world right now. Like, you've got to be kidding me with that nonsense. No, he's not. He just isn't. He just isn't a top ten player in the world or anything close to it. He's not even a top five player at City this season, let alone a top five player in the world. He's had one really good game, one okay game, and two bad games, one of which he was absolutely awful in. So maybe just park the numbers after four games and park them endlessly until he has a run of good performances. I saw someone say, oh, he's my vote for player of the year last year. He missed three months of the season and was bad for the month before he got hurt and the month after he came back. How's your vote for player of the season? He was good for four months. Clowns. Uh, I'm going to go with a 3-0 home win for Manchester City in this one. Sorry, Southampton, but I just don't fancy your chances. Yeah, it it should be. A, it should. Well, Man City should win, but let's see what Southampton can do. And just before we go to a break, Dave, I mean, I've just been scrolling Twitter and, and WhatsApp and stuff. Uh, if we go back to the first game, which is tonight, Newcastle Leeds, the, there is rumours that Jack Harrison has COVID, so he might be out. And also there's rumours Rafinha might be out, but his the Rafinha rumour seems uh, more doubtful, but Harrison seems definitely out because he's not with the squad. Would would that change your thinking? Or would you just expect Dan James to slot in? 
I think just Dan James probably just slots in. I think Dan James probably slots in. And, and I think he makes them even more dangerous against Newcastle because he's got that blinding pace. So I, I think I'll stick with the with my prediction. But yeah, I mean, that's a it's a big blow for Leeds to lose Harrison because he's a very good player. And I genuinely do think he's going to play in, in central areas more and more. I think we're going to see James on the left wing, Rafinha on the right, and Harrison as an option in those mm. two central areas in, in front of Calvin Phillips. Because Rodrigo's not. Yeah, you're not that good, I don't think. So anyway. Anyway, but we'll see if the rumours are true. I mean, by the time this podcast out is out, it'll be only a couple hours till kickoff. But we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back with the next five games. Right, we are back. We are five games in, five more to go. Mr. Drinkle, what do we have next? Next up, we uh, maybe not the biggest, but possibly one of the most important because there's two teams here who are desperate for points and, and you'd assume be desperate for points all season. Norwich, who lost all their games so far, and Watford, well, Watford don't. They've lost three of their four and won one. Yeah, they uh, beat Villa on the opening yeah. day and have lost three since. Yeah. Um, you are right, this is two teams desperate for points, and I think this is where Norwich will get some points. Uh, at home, against Watford, I, I do fancy Norwich to get the result. Now, Joe Pedro is out, Dan Gosling's a doubt, Ben Foster's a doubt, and Kiko Femenia is a doubt for Watford. For Norwich, they've got a lot of players currently carrying knocks or completely ruled out. Placetta, Byram, and Zimmerman all ruled out. Bally Mumba, Giannolis, Sargent, Sorensen, and Lise Malou, all doubts for this one. So they may not be at full strength, but I still think they'll have enough. I think they've got in Brandon Williams and Max Ahrens, two really good fullbacks. Hopeful that we'll see Ozan Kabak start at centre-back. Uh, maybe next to Ben Gibson, that could be a good pairing. Um, they'll have enough going forward, I think, to cause Watford some real problems against that. Watford defence. I am going to go with a a 3-1 Norwich win. Optimistic, I like it. Potentially optimistic, but I just... Watford... Watford, to me, that just that defence is going to kill them this season. Like, you look at them in midfield and there's some ageing legs there. You'd have a little bit of concern about them being able to keep up with a high tempo, which is what Daniel Farker will want to push. And that defence is championship players, at best, championship players. So I do think Norwich will be able to to hurt them. Um, and I, I do think Norwich have played quite well in some games this season. Like Norwich weren't dreadful against Liverpool. They showed some moments of looking good. They should have gotten a result against uh, Leicester. And then they were a little bit unfortunate last weekend. Like, look at who they've played. Liverpool, City, Leicester and Arsenal. Three of the five best teams in the league. And Arsenal, who, you know, they're not having a good season, but they're still a a big six club. They're still one of the eight or nine best teams in the league. You know, that's a tough run of games. 
Whereas with Watford, it's not like they've been playing elite teams. They played a mid-table Villa and lower mid-table um, Brighton, Tottenham, which was obviously a tough one, and Wolves, who are lower mid-table, like based on last season. So I, I think they've had an easier run and barring the Villa game, just as bad results. So I, I just feel like this could be the game where Norwich really start their season. I think they have to. I think I think the pressure is going to be on them quickly mm. to start getting some results. Not not on Fark. I think he's safe in his job because I think they're realistic about you know where they sit in in the uh, the hierarchy of the world. But I do think this is a game that Norwich will win. Yeah, I think they have to really because if you can't beat a, a team that got promoted with you at home, yeah, you might best get prepared to go down again. Um. Late kickoff, and this one's on telly as well. Villa against Everton. Uh, Villa with, with the big, big signings in the summer, and Everton with the opposite. They're spending like a couple mil on Damari Gray mm. and Townsend. Um, but Everton have settled in better. I mean, I'm not saying the signings are better, but Rafa's utilised them quicker, and they've and they've slotted in much uh, more seeming seamless than uh, Bailey and Co. Uh, Villa. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's Rafa's just a better manager than Dean Smith. I mean, that's mm. that's where it starts. Now, Everton, obviously, big blow with Calvert-Lewin out injured at the moment. So important to them, such a top-class, you know, developing into top-class striker. No Fabian Delph, he's out for a while. Uh, no Gilfie Sigurdsson for different reasons. Uh, and James Rodriguez, he's back in training, but I don't think we're expecting to see him anytime soon. Um, for Villa, they've got a few issues. Carney Chukwameka, he's out with a groin problem. Uh, Jaden Pillagen Badis, he wouldn't have played anyway. Buendia will have a late fitness test, as will Emmy Martinez. They're both back, finally potentially available to play after their excursions. Trezeguet's out, Keenan Davies is out. Um, this is a tough one. Gray is playing really well. Townsend was brilliant against Burnley, or brilliant in the in the second half against Burnley. Mm-hmm. Nobody in, in an Everton shirt played well in the first half. This is a tough one. I think I think if this was at Goodison, I'd probably go Everton win. But at Villa Park, I think I will go for the draw. Like Everton will score because Mings will give them a goal. But so will Michael King. Michael Caine will gift Villa a goal. I'm going to go 1-1. One, <laughs> one. I'll go 1-1. One, one. Yeah, I think whoever limits to the mistakes at the back is probably the best chance of winning. Uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, moving on to Sunday then. And again, that should be good. And annoyingly, it's not on TV for me over here. Uh, Brighton against Leicester. I think Brighton started the season really well. Leicester a bit mixed. We We kind of saw that just... Uh, personified in the game against Napoli last night. Um, what well, what do you make of this? Because Brighton, they obviously they were the team of the stats people last season, but it seems to be coming to fruition a bit this this more this season. And, and Leicester, as I say, defensively struggling, and and the attacks not clicking in the Premier League at least. Because we saw Harvey Barnes improve last night at least. Yeah, Harvey Barnes looked brilliant last night. Um. Brighton, you know, so far one of the surprise packages, three wins from four, uh, scoring some goals, which is which is nice. They've got more goals than games at the minute, which is 
which is good. A um, little bit disappointed in their result against Everton at home. But, you know, they came back from behind to beat Burnley. They beat Watford and they beat Brentford. This will be a big step up in terms of the level of opposition. But as you said, I mean, Leicester have not really impressed at all this season. Um, they played they played uh, Wolves on that opening day and really did not look good at all and probably were lucky to get a, a result. They got walloped by um, West Ham, got lucky against Norwich and then lost to City last weekend. So their form is a concern. Defensively, they've been all over the place. We've seen a real lack of creativity in midfield, which is unusual for them. We've seen a lack mm. of shape in their team at times as well. Uh, these are things that are very un-Brendan Rodgers. Now, this weekend, uh, Johnny Evans is a doubt again. Wesley Fafana is out. James Justin is out. And Iosi Perez is suspended for being an idiot. Um, a few weeks ago. For Brighton, no Lamptey. Connolly's a doubt. Mwepo and Byrne are back. Gross, Webster. Webster's a big blow. Um, and Lucadia all out. I fancy Leicester to win this, I have to say. I really do fancy Leicester to win it away. They ha- it has to click for them eventually. There's just too many good players in that team for it not to start working the way they want it to work. I'm going to go 2-1 Leicester. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun game either way, but you know, I don't realise Brighton had that many key injuries. Um, yeah, see, Webster's the big blow because you look at what have they got left. They, I mean, Dan Byrne might end up starting at centre-back. That's not ideal because Veltman's going to have to play right wing-back, you'd imagine. Um, Duffy and Dunk in a three is already not ideal to have both of them there and if it's Byrne as the third one that's ugly, now they could switch to a back four maybe but they're not Mm. as used to playing that, it's a change of shape and you know that Graham Potter is going to start an empty shirt in midfield so I I have concerns there, that's why I think I'll I'll go with the Leicester win. Yeah and and Pascal Gross is probably He's kind of, I don't know what position he plays, but he's seemingly a starter for them. It's like right wing back, right wing at the same time. But yeah, they're, they're missing a few starters there as well. Uh, moving on to <clears throat> actual Super Sunday, which is still an annoying quote. Uh, West Ham against Man United, and obviously as Liverpool fans, it's a real shame Antonio's injured because mm. we, we've seen the way Man United's defence has started this season, and Harry Maguire especially. Uh, I, I don't know what... Like, He's always been somewhat dependable, but he seems to just be a bit lost at the minute. Yeah, he does. And United's defensive shape just hasn't been good this season at all. And their results don't reflect performance in the slightest. I mean, if you look at the table, they're top of the table. You know, three wins from four, a draw in the other game, 11 goals scored. But look at the performances. They walloped Leeds and they look good against Leeds. But Leeds were so open that, you know, it would have been hard not to hammer them on the day. They were poor against Southampton and Armstrong missed that one-on-one with De Gea Mm. that would have won the game for Southampton. They got completely outplayed by Wolves. They were dreadful. Um, Newcastle matched them for 65 minutes. Now, that was largely down to them being poor. But, you know, outside of the Leeds game, they have been poor 
bar the last 25 against Newcastle. Mm, you got what? They were young dreadful in the week. Yeah. Absolutely shocking in the week against young boys. And I think if Antonio was playing, I would be backing West Ham to win this game. Now, they may still go with Bowen up front, bring, bring uh, Vlasic into the three behind, and have him, Ben Rama, and Fornals. And I think that will cause United a lot of problems because that's they're the type of players you need your holding midfielders to be on top form to stop. And United don't have any holding midfielders. They've used Paul Pogba in a pivot this year, and it's a it's a mess. Uh, West Ham, no Winston Reid either. He's suspended. He's he's injured, and obviously the Antonio suspension. Uh, United, no Rashford, no Ahmad, no Tellez. Cavani still not fit. McTominay still not fit. And Phil Jones, of course, is a doubt. Um, I This is a big test for, for both teams. United, it's a big test to see if they can bounce back from the result in the week. It's also a test against a good team. Like West Ham are substantially better than the teams they've played so far. Like Leeds, mid-table, probably bottom half of the league this year, I I would say a little step back. Uh, Southampton, Wolves and Newcastle will all finish in the bottom half of the league. So this is the first time they're playing a team that not only will certainly finish in the top half, but will challenge for Europe this season as they did last season. United got very lucky at this stadium last season. If you remember the Dean Henderson kick down the touchline that clearly went out of play wasn't called and United went on and scored and that inspired their comeback and their victory. For West Ham, it's a, it's a big test to see if they can bounce back from having played Thursday night on Sunday. So that's a short turnaround. It has been tough for a lot of Premier League clubs over the years to do that Thursday-Sunday swing with the Europa League. But the Hammers will come in full of confidence after a good result in the week. They were, by all accounts, very impressive. And I think there's a couple of players in that West Ham team with a few points to prove as well. Um, I think they'll probably make at least one change at centre-back and one at right-back. We'll see uh, Sufal come back in. I think I don't think he'll go Diop and Zuma as the pair this weekend. But last night, now I only saw highlights, but look, judging by what West Ham fans had to say, they were really excited about that pairing and that potentially being their pairing moving forward. Um, I'm going to say, even without Antonio, I'm going to say a two-two draw. I think if Antonio was playing, I'd fancy West Ham to win. But without him, I'll go 2-2. I said the same on today was show, so well done Man United on winning 5-0. Yes, um... congratulations to Ollie <laughs> on saving his job once again. Yeah. Uh, last game of the weekend then, and I think this is the big one, I think this is the first net zero carbon or something game. Or something like that. That's what Sky's been peddling all last couple of weeks. Um, but anywho, we'll focus on the football. Um, now Spurs. I, I, I'm pretty sure Son's out um, and there's a few other doubts, which is obviously going to be the big talking points. But Chelsea look excellent and, mm. and Spurs, 
Yeah, without Son, I, I just don't see. And Mora came off last night, didn't he? Um, the, oh, Bergvine. Bergvine came off last night. I think Mora did as well. Did he? Oh, he so. did. It's right. He did. Yeah, yeah. The two of them got ankle injuries. Mm. So they're both going to be out. Son is out. So there's all the pace gone, unless they, they're going to have to play Brian Hill, um, who didn't particularly impress me last night. Um, they've got a lot of issues. So Tanganga is suspended. Romero, Lo Celso, and Sanchez, we don't know yet because they're in the quarantine protocol. So Why they've been in Croatia. Different from the Villa ones. Because they sent them to Croatia. Right. The Villa didn't didn't send their boys. Um, oh, okay. So we just we just don't know. We don't know what any of them. None of them might play yet. Um but like you look at that, Romero and Sanchez are the two best centre backs. If they're playing a three, Tanganga, I think, would be the third. That's, so that's your three best centre-backs. Lacelso's your one of your best ball-progressing midfielders. Son is your... I think he's your best player, but he's certainly your biggest counter-attacking threat. Eric Dyer is out. That might be a bonus. Ryan Sessegnon is out. Not really an issue, but he is the back backup left wing back, and he'd be an option in attack with Mora and Son mm. and Bergvine out. Sessegnon could have been... An option, but he won't be now. So nine players potentially out for Spurs. Maybe they get the three boys back, Romero, Sanchez, and Lacelso, but they haven't yet trained with the team. So how good can they be? Like how quickly can anyone strike up a partnership having not played together? That's concerning. A little bit concerning. I think. Chelsea, who will be at close to full strength. Kante is expected to make the bench. Uh, Christian Pulisic is out. But other than that, they're going to be at full whack. And I think they're going to win this game. I think we'll see... I think we'll see Lukaku have quite a bit of fun up against what I would guess. If Romero's not there, I would guess it'll be Joe Roden and Ben Davies. Which Ooh, isn't really centre-back pairing. <laughs> yeah, that's not a pairing you want in the Premier League, especially when you've got Emerson and Regulon as your fullbacks, who are both mm. really attack-minded. Um, I'd be interested to see if Nuno tries the, the, the three-defensive midfielder mess again. If he does, I, I think he might want removing. Um, <laughs> Could they play three at the back? I, just anybody? Do they have three left at the back? Surely it's better than leaving... If you leave Lukaku up against them two, it will be 12-0. It will be a massacre. If if Romero's if Romero's able to play, I think they go three at the back. Roden, Romero and Davies or Sanchez. Because if, Rome, if Romero's playing, Sanchez will be able to play. So you could go Sanchez, Romero and Roden maybe as your back three, which which isn't mm. bad at all. Um, then you push the two boys on as wing-backs... You go because Lacelso they'll be back, so you can go Lacelso and Heusberg in midfield with Delhi behind Kane and maybe Brian Hill. Mm. It's not a, it's not ideal. Maybe you play Delhi behind Kane and bring another one into midfield and try and be a little bit more solid there. But I, I fancy Chelsea. I have to say I do fancy a three-one Chelsea win. Um, they just they look they look so good at the moment. Defensively, they're excellent. Um. Midfield is strong. I, I'm guessing we will see Jorginho and Kovacic start this game, but I'm hoping we see Saul. 
Mm. Um, very disappointed in him, though. He is he has definitely gone down massively in my in my estimation, uh, having done an interview on the Twitch of that spoofer. Um, really disappointed in you, Saul. Really disappointed. I, I thought you were disappointed for his performance, but fair enough. <laughs> no, he played he played badly in his opening game. I mean, that happens. It happens to loads of people. Um, but he held his hands up straight away and says, "Look, I was crap." What do you want me to say? He just he was outright about it. And loads of players have been worse on their first appearance mm. in a new league, especially. Uh, but massively, massively upset with him for going on talking to that spoofer. Um, right, that's it then. That is our 10 games. So we will leave it there. Enjoy your weekends. Don't do anything. Do you know what? Do you know what? Before we go, because we didn't do it yesterday, we'll wrap up with some gossip. Uh, Germany striker Timo Werner is one of four players being considered by Borussia Dortmund for next summer should Erling Haaland leave the club. Erling Haaland is definitely leaving the club and they're definitely not looking at Timo Werner who earns about 300 grand a week, which is double what anybody at Dortmund has ever been paid. Uh, Germany defender Antonio Rudiger's contract runs out next summer at Chelsea and talks over extending his new deal have stalled. That's from the Times. The spoofer with the catchphrase, he says it's close. So I think I'll go with the Times on this one. Barcelona are hopeful of capturing Paul Pogba on a free next summer if he decides against signing a new contract but would face competition from Paris Saint-Germain, Juventus and Real Madrid. I do think he's going to go on a free, I have to say. Uh, Mikel Antonio is set to promote Charlie Patino to the first team amid reports Barcelona are monitoring the 17-year-old. He's meant... He's meant to be really special. And there are people who follow Arsenal underage football religiously who say he is the most talented player to ever come through the Hayland. Like, when you see the players that have come through there, that's really high praise. Really, really high praise. That is one of the best academies in Europe. And what they've what they've brought through is just special. Um, Ishmael Benasser came through there. I mean, Tony Adams and that that was before, kind of before it was the Hayland set up as it is now. But you know, Bakayo Saka, Jack Wiltshire, Emil Smith Rowe, Danielle Mallon, Serge Gnabry. There's a lot of really talented players that have come through that academy in the last 10 years or so. And for people who are well clued in on this to say, this kid is the most talented one, that is, that's got to be something that gives Arsenal fans hope. That, you know, things might be bad now, but they won't be forever. Um, Juventus are interested in signing Alex Lacazette. Of course they are. He's on a free transfer uh, next summer. Fiorentina's owner, Rocco Camiso, is unsure whether Dusan Vlahovic will extend his deal beyond 2023. If Vlahovic is smart, the only way he extends his deal is if he gets a a buyout clause put into it. Um, Newcastle assistant manager Graham Jones and striker Dwight Gale were involved in a heated training ground argument with captain Jamal Lachelles having to separate the pair this is from uh, Craig Hope in the Daily Mail, so you can take it as gospel. There's been nobody better at covering Newcastle for the last year and a half or so 
than Craig Hope. Um, really, really good reporting. Well worth your while giving that one a read. It is, it's it's a, it, incredible what's gone on at that club. Just read all of Craig's stuff on Newcastle. Uh, Everton manager Rafa Benitez has prioritised a top centre back during the January transfer window. Well, it's going to be hard to sign him for for no money. Um, a number of Barcelona board members have asked Joan Laporte to sack Ronald Koeman after the defeat to Bayern Munich. I don't think he can sack him after a defeat to Bayern Munich. I just don't think he can. Uh, Jesse Lingard will not be leaving the club, according to Manchester United manager Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Well, the transfer window's closed, so of course he's not leaving the club. Oli pretending like he makes decisions is always funny. Paul Pogba is said to be said to be more comfortable with the idea of staying at Manchester United after being impressed by the club's summer signings. Uh, I'm guessing this is from Keva, who is a, an absolute spoofer. Um, so we'll just ignore that. Um, Tottenham are interested in Borussia Mönchengladbach defender Matthias Ginter, but face comp- competition from Bayern Munich and Real Madrid for his signature. This is a German player at a German club wanted by an English player, another German club, and a, a, a Spanish club being reported in an Italian newspaper. So I, I think we can put that safely in the bin. Uh, Leeds have opened talks with, new, with Calvin Phillips over a new contract. If I was him, I might start looking to see if I can move upwards. Um, nothing against Leeds, but I do think he deserves to be playing Champions League football. Uh, former Swansea boss Steve Cooper is a leading candidate to become Nottingham Forest boss after the Championship club sacked Chris Hewton. I think I would advise him not to take that job. I think that's a poison chalice. I think the ownership situation there is really, really concerning. Italian manager Antonio Conte, who managed Afshar Hakimi and into Milan, says the 22-year-old dreams of playing for Real Madrid. He was already at Real Madrid, and they binned him off. So, you know, it is what it is. Spanish forward Ansu Fati has moved a step closer to a contract extension at Barcelona after his agent arrived for talks. That's not him moving closer. That's his agent arriving for talks that were already taking place. So, nonsense. That is it then. That is the show. Thank you as always. I will see you Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.